Thanks for listening to audio from North Monroe. To learn more about who we are, visit northmonroe.com or download the North Monroe app in the App Store or on Google Play. Now, here's this week's message. Good morning, everybody. It's so good to be back with you guys today. Thank you for letting me take the week off last week. We had a great time. We went over to Texas, to the Texas beach, and rented a beach cabin and spent a week down there. Somebody said, look, looks like you got a tan. I'm like, yeah, but it's a farmer tan, you know. <laughs> you reach my age and my physical condition, nobody wants to see you without a shirt on. So you stay under the awning and stay as cool as you possibly can. That's my experience at the beach. But I know Cody did a great job and uh, so grateful to have him and to have this great team together. Wendy's done a beautiful job of getting all this serve stuff ready. So let's talk about serving, okay? I'm wearing my serves up shirt and uh, it's time to talk about serving. We've been talking about serving for the last three weeks. Today's week four and serves up. And I got a question for you. What's it going to take to get you to serve? I mean, we can talk about it all we want, but until somebody does something, we're not really serving. So what's it going to take to get any of us serving? I'm sitting on the beach uh, at Crystal Beach just outside of Galveston, Texas, and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about what will it take to get us to serve? And I, I look up and there's a little sandpiper, a little bird running on the beach, and, and he's got something wrong with his leg. He's limping badly. My little three-year-old granddaughter thinks, my four-year-old granddaughter, she thinks she can catch him. So she's trying to catch this sandpiper, and he just kind of limps out of the way. But as I was thinking about that, I was thinking, you know, the, the sad thing about sandpipers is if you get an injured leg or if something bad happens to you, there's no sandpiper hospital. There's nobody going to show up. You can't call Sandpiper 911. Somebody comes and puts you on a stretcher and hauls you off and takes care of you. There's no Sandpiper Counseling Center. There's no Sandpiper Church. You're on your own. If you're an injured Sandpiper, you're on your own. Even your friends are all going to fly away. Why? Because that's what nature does. Nature is in itself. Animals are in themselves intrinsically selfish because it's all about survival. They've got to survive. And they don't have the means and resources to try to help each other. So you're basically on your own. Because animals are, in their core, intrinsically self-oriented. I say that because as I'm watching this sandpiper, I'm realizing, you know, there's a lot of animal in me too. And it's just as easy for me to become so self-oriented and consumed with my own stuff that I never spend the time to care about anybody around me that might have a greater need. We are, in our core, selfish people. Not only is it our animal nature, but it's our fallen nature. You don't believe me? You don't trust me? All right. Here we go. You go to the refrigerator, you want a snack, maybe it's late at night, you need something to eat, you open the door of the refrigerator, you look in, and there's a Tupperware bowl. Hmm, wonder what that is. Maybe I can heat that up and eat it. And you pull out the Tupperware bowl, and you open it up, and it's like, ooh, what is it? You know, it's been there a month growing moss. Could be cake. Could be meat. I don't know. What do you do at that point? I'll tell you what you do. You close the Tupperware and put it right back where you get found it, right? Why do you do that? Are you doing that because you expect somebody else is going to come along and open that and go, ooh, I love that. I'm going to try that. No, because you don't want to deal with the problem. You just said somebody else's problem. Because in our core, we are intrinsically self-oriented and we tend to look out for our own interest. And so to serve someone else, you've got to do battle with your selfish nature. You say, how do I do that? Well, there's only one way. You have to die to self. 
That's, we're back to the core of it. If I'm going to serve you, I've got to die to my needs, to my desires, to my wants, to my preferences, to my comfort, to my satisfaction. I've got to die to all those things. And isn't that what Jesus did? Isn't that what the cross is all about? I mean, at the cross, we see the, the, the fundamental example of unselfishness that Jesus himself went to the cross and took care of my sin. It wasn't his sin that he died for. It was our sin that he died for. You see, the fact of the matter is that all of us are under the cloud of sin. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. The Bible says there's none righteous, not even one. I'm not righteous. You're not righteous. And so the moment we sin, we find ourselves in a dead and lost position. And there's nothing whatsoever I can do to compensate for that. All the good things I ever try to do won't make up for a single sin that I've already done. I cannot earn my salvation through my performance. And so Jesus Christ, God's Son, left heaven, took on the form of a bondservant, and put Himself on the cross for my sin. So that when I receive the gift of grace that was, that was Christ on the cross... God's grace covers my sin, and my sins are forgiven, my past is forgotten, my purpose is secured, my eternal destiny is secured, and I know for a fact that I'm going to heaven when I die. Listen, there's no other way to get to heaven than without the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. He made that available on the cross. But let me say this, the moment you take the grace of Christ into your life, you also assume the sovereign authority of God over your life. One guy said what God does for us is always and at the same time what He expects of us. And just as Jesus said, I serve you, now you serve them. And to do that, you have to die. Isn't that what He did on the cross? Isn't that what He constantly called us to? Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, when God calls a man, He bids him come and die. And so if I'm going to serve, if I'm going to get out of this blue chair or get off of that couch, or get out of that car, and I'm going to serve somebody, you know what that means? I've got to do something about my selfish nature. I've got to, I've got to deal with my own selfish nature. And so what's it going to take for us to do that? Let me give you three ideas this morning, okay? Here's the first one. Know yourself. Know yourself. If I'm going to move counter to my nature, then I have to understand more about myself. I have to understand how my nature works. It, it starts out with what we've been talking about, that sort of core selfishness, that, that intrinsic self-orientation that I tend to look out for number one. And you know, all of the people in marketing and media, they're sort of playing into that. If it feels good, do it. You deserve the best. Look out for number one. Nobody else will take care of you. You've got to take care of yourself. And so if I hear that noise, all the time, it's easy for me to believe that. It's easy for me to believe my Facebook lie, you know, because on Facebook, I'm going to show the world the best me. And, and if, if I do that enough, then I'll eventually begin to believe that that is me when in reality, it's not. And so I need the covering of Christ over my sin. And at the same time, I need the sovereign authority of God over my life to help me to deal with that. But you know, it's more than that. It's more than that battle with myself. I also need to understand how God made me. Because here's the truth. Some people are naturally servants. When we talk about serving, they're already doing it. Because it's, it's natural to them. It's the spiritual gift that God had given them. And so they, have you ever been around those people? I mean, they, they know the need before you do. 
Sometimes servants can seem pushy because they're meeting needs you don't even know you have. And they remember birthdays and they remember uh, anniversaries and, and they're constantly aware of what your needs are and they find great joy and pleasure out of meeting your physical needs. You know what? Some people are like that. But God didn't make us all like that. He certainly didn't make me like that. Let me show you an illustration of this. Mary and Martha, do you, maybe you remember the story. Luke chapter 10, let's get our Bibles. Luke chapter 10, verse 39. There's these two sisters. They live in Bethany. They're brothers Lazarus. And Jesus has come to their house. There's an intimacy here with this family. And these two sisters are diametrically different. Martha has the spiritual gift of serving. And so while they're in this house, look what happens. Verse 39, she had a sister called Mary. That she is Martha. Martha had a sister called Mary who was seated at the Lord's feet and listening to the Lord. So, so Mary's in the living room where all the people are, where Jesus is. And she's just sitting at Jesus' feet, just soaking in Jesus. Which, you know, if Jesus is in the room, that's the place to be, right? But Martha was distracted with all her preparations. What's Martha doing? Martha's thinking like a servant. She's like, somebody's got to eat. There's people here. We've got to host them. We've got to serve them. We've got to do stuff for them. So Martha's in the kitchen getting things ready, working things out. And she's frustrated that Mary's not helping. And she came to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? And one of the tendencies of servants and one of the negative aspects of that spiritual gift is they become frustrated when other people don't serve like them. And so she's like, my sister won't even, she won't even like set out the, the, the placemats. I mean, I can't get her to do anything. Now notice Mary didn't share Martha's gift. She's all about Jesus. She's in the room, but Martha resents what Mary's doing and not helping her. But the Lord answered her and said, Martha, Martha, you're worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary for Mary has chosen a good part which shall not be taken away from her. And in that moment, he's saying, Martha, you need to dial back this servant thing just a bit. But that doesn't mean it's not important. It just means in this moment, this is the moment of worship. We're doing church here. Let's put down the, the ladle. Let's put down the, the cutting board. Let's put all that other stuff aside and let's worship. But we have to understand that there is also a time for serving. And that gift that you have to serve will be essential later, but not right now. But here's the main point. These two women were totally different as we are. I mean, we don't all serve the same way. I'm not naturally a servant. Some are. That's not my gift, and it may not be your gift either. But it doesn't mean that I still don't need to serve. I'll just do it differently. Sometimes life forces us into servitude. I mean, when you get a job, what do you have to do? You have to serve your boss, right? You say, well, what if my boss is a nut? Some of us got bosses that are nutty. A lot of our staff at North Monroe might say that. What do you do? I learned a powerful lesson. I used to have these summer jobs to pay my way through college. In 1980, I was working on the ground crew at Grayson Junior College. And my job was to mow grass, pick up trash, water the plants, cut down trees, haul hay, and do whatever this guy named Billy Mack wanted me to do. Billy Mack was my boss. 
And Billy Mack was a character. He's one of these guys, you know, he had this greasy, kind of grayish, curly hair, and he kind of kept it back. And he had this blue work shirt on that said Billy Mack on a little patch right here. And he always kept it unbuttoned just above his navel. And he had this curly chest hair that came out. And he had the Elvis Presley sideburns going on. And he was just like something off of the movie Jaws, you know. I mean, when you think about, what is the guy's name? Flynn, what was his name? Finn? Quinn. He's Captain Quinn. But he was a mercurial guy that, unpredictable, some days he'd be fun, some days not so much fun. And I remember we'd be sitting around at break time, and, and Billy Mack would walk in with this greasy paper bag full of fried fish and hush puppies, and he'd toss them out and say, get you some, boys. And, you know, we'd all eat day-old fried fish with Billy Mack. Other days, Billy Mack would be Billy Mack, and you never knew what you were going to get. Well, this was 1980. Summer of 1980. You may or most of you don't remember that. Most of you weren't even born, right? Well, the summer of 1980 in Texas was called the Texas Heat Wave. In that summer, 69 days out of that summer were over 100 degrees. 69 days. Um, in fact, 42 consecutive days from June 23rd to August 3rd were over 100 degrees. 28 of those days were over 105 degrees, and five times it was over 110. And that summer, I had the brilliant job of working outside, hauling hay, cutting trees, mowing grass for Billy Mack. Parent Air Force Base had closed down and they had uh, deeded the old Air Force Base to the junior college. And so they wanted to take some of the old barracks and turn them into dormitories. And so our job was to clean out those old barracks during the summer. So it's like 105 degrees outside. These are four-story buildings, and they've got these big old metal spring things, the guys for the beds. And our job was to haul those bed springs down eight flights of stairs, throw them in the back of a truck, haul the truck to the dump, throw them on the, throw them on the dump. Now, Billy Mack, he's sitting in a lawn chair watching us work. And, and after a few trips up and down those eight flights of stairs, I, I went to Billy Mack and I said, Billy Mack, listen, I said, we're going to throw these bed springs away anyway. So it doesn't really matter what happens to them. What if we just haul them over there to that balcony and we drop them the four, the four stories and we make a big pile of them, then we come down and we put them in the back of the truck and then we haul it to the dump. That way we don't have to go up the stairs, down the stairs, up the stairs for every single bed. And I'll never forget what Billy Mack said. He stared right at me, had a piece of cornmeal right here in the corner of his mouth. Here's what he said. These are his exact words. I drive this wagon, college boy. You pull it. That's all he said. <laughs> I said, I guess I'll go get those bed springs. And we hauled bed springs up and down eight flights of stairs because serving was thrust upon me. And let me say this, it made me better. See, here's something I think the church forgets. God is far more concerned with your character than your comfort. We're concerned about comfort. God's not concerned about your comfort. He will sacrifice your comfort to create character. He will sacrifice your physical body to create character because He is after your heart. 
The eyes of the Lord roam to and throw throughout the earth to strongly support the one whose heart is fully his. Don't be deceived by that. And so sometimes we are thrust into servanthood, not so much because of what we do for others, but because of what it does for us. Sometimes serving takes different forms. And this is why it's so important to understand who you are. And, And I don't really have time to unpack all of this. We have different gifts of serving. We all serve in different ways. Um, and I, I, we're going to pick this up later. I, I'm, I'm going to dance across it today. I'll hit it another lick next week. And then I'm coming back into Romans in the fall if Jesus doesn't come back. If Jesus comes back, Warren will preach this sermon. But uh, <laughs> that was pretty good, wasn't it? Actually, Warren's the one that told me to say that. So. But Romans 12 is so rich, and it's about the spiritual gifts. Let's go to it. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to each of us, given to us, each of us is to exercise them, that is, act upon them accordingly. If prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, if serving in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. And so you could spend a month on this. You see these seven motivational gifts, prophecy, teaching, mercy showing, exhorting, giving. You see these gifts. And what happens is when we serve, we serve according to these motivational gifts. And so we all kind of have a different focus. If you're a giver, for example, here's a, here are the, 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 the tendencies of a giver. Givers are men and women who are uh, unusually good with money. And they love to see the financial needs of ministry met. They love to be able to meet those financial things so that the ministry can go forward. And that's their serving. And it's very important to them. And they they love being able to do that. And they love to give with challenges so that other people can get the joy of giving because that's the joy that comes out out of their heart and out of their serving. And so they tend to be very good with money. That's not me. I'm not a giver in that regard because, you know, my philosophy of of economics is buy high, sell low. These guys are good at it. The prophets are are people. It's not a prophecy as a foretelling, but as a foretelling. They love to speak truth. And oftentimes prophets come across as cutting and harsh because they're looking for an instant conversion. They're trying to get you immediately to give your life over to Christ. And they're often willing to reveal personal things about themselves to draw you into that moment of decision. And and so they're going to be very direct and very forceful. Well, then you've got the mercy showers over here and their whole focus is we want everybody to feel okay how you feeling how you doing and they're caring for everybody so you got the prophet over here with the sword out you know slashing people up and you got the mercy shore trying to help everybody feel good and sometimes those conflict with one another but God has put them both within the body to accomplish a common goal which is to serve and so we all begin to serve complementary we don't all serve the same way and here's the key know yourself Know your tendencies towards selfishness. Understand how God uses serving to create character in your life and realize that He's given you gifts that are distinct and unique. So that allows you to understand who you are and to understand how other people are. And so it comes down to this, you be you and let me be me. And when we do that, we do more. But you got to know yourself. Then you humble yourself. I know what some of you are thinking. I know myself. Serving isn't my gift, so I'm not going to do it. Look, you might not have the, quote, gift of serving, but all of us are commissioned to serve. We looked at this passage several times in this study. Let's go back to it again. Matthew 25. It's that great white throne judgment. When the Son of Man comes in His glory, 
and all the angels with him, then he'll sit on his glorious throne. And all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them from one another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he'll put the sheep on the right and the goats on the left. And the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. I want you to notice none of those are related to spiritual gifts. That is need-based. I was hungry, thirsty, homeless, naked. I don't care what your spiritual gift is. If you don't have the spiritual gift of serving, you're still called to serve. And the, 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 the ones on his right are going to say, Lord, we don't remember any of that. Look at verse 40. The king will answer them and say, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even to the least of them, you did it to me. You know what he's saying? Most of the opportunities for service are going to fit your gift mix, but there's a lot of times they won't, and you still serve anyway. The last night Jesus was on earth... Before he went to the cross, what did he do? He went into an upper room, remember? He did three things. They had the Passover, remember that? Then he created the Lord's Supper. But before he did all of that, what did he do? You retreat guys know. He washed their feet. So you got 12 dudes in this room, 24 dirty feet. And they're all doing the Tupperware thing at the refrigerator, right? They know their feet are dirty. They know their feet need to be clean. But what are they doing? They're pretending they don't know. Because in that day, it was customary for the lowest servant in the house to wash the feet. And somebody had messed up. There was a faux pas. Some servant didn't do his job, and everybody's got dirty feet. They're supposed to wash their feet before this thing happens. So what does Jesus do? John 13, then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. So he came to Simon Peter. He said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered and said, what I do you do not realize now, but you will understand hereafter. Peter said to him, never shall you wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I don't wash you, you have no part with me. Why did Jesus wash their feet? Well, for one thing, their feet were dirty. <laughs> so, he, you know, this isn't rocket science. It's like, man, I don't know. Theologically, let's see. Why did he wash their feet? You know, what would John Calvin say? Um, because in his sovereignty, their feet were intended to be... He washed their feet because they were dirty. But secondly, he washed their feet because he wanted to give them an example. If I then, the Lord and teacher, washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you also should do as I do to you. Truly I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is one who is sent greater than the one who sent him. You know, when you say, I'm too, I'm too good to serve, you know what you're saying? I'm better than Jesus. If you know these things, you're blessed if you, what? What's that word? Do them. So you can't use your spiritual gift as a cop-out. Uh, you, know, I, you know, I see you guys got some dirty feet in here, but uh, you know, I don't got the gift of serving. I've got the gift of prophecy. That's not my gift. 
You know, can you imagine my wife says, Bill, would you take out the garbage? And I'm like, that's not my gift, honey. (laughs) And my spiritual gift is not taking out garbage. Let me ask you this. Was washing Jesus' feet, was washing feet Jesus' spiritual gift? Of course it wasn't. Was going to the cross his spiritual gift? The cross was his sacrificial gift. Now listen, sometimes we operate in our spiritual gift, but sometimes we operate in a sacrificial gift. And we do what has to be done simply because that's what we're called to do. And what this means is nobody is above serving. If the disciple is, is, only, is, is always below his, his teacher, then I'm never above Jesus. And if Jesus served, then I can never get above that. Look at what it says in Philippians 2.5. Had this attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus who although existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men, being found in the appearance as a man. Here it is. Circle this word. He humbled himself. Can you imagine? By becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. To do what Jesus did, you have to humble yourself. Serving is a humbling thing. So you've got to, if, what's it going to take for me to serve? I've got to know myself. I've got to humble myself. And here's the last thing. Open yourself. Open yourself. Fight off the tendency toward being jaded. Quit looking at everything as if it were a scam. I get it. We live in a world of cardboard signs. And you see so many of those. You, and you hear stories. That guy put up his cardboard sign, went and got in his Lexus. You know, you hear that. It's easy to get jaded. And we struggle with that as a church because we're constantly giving to me. You know, this past year, we gave away over $100,000 to meet needs. I don't know if you knew that. Just individual people's needs. And it's hard for us to differentiate. You say, how do you know? I, I don't know. I don't, we do our best, but I don't know if I'm being ripped off or not. The other day, um, a guy came up to me. I was at the gas station. I was pumping gas. This guy walks up. He's got a suitcase in his hand. He goes, man, I just got off the bus this morning from Angola, and my family was supposed to meet me here, and nobody showed up. And I'm hurting, man. You got any money? Can you help me at all? And so I give the guy some money. The next day, my son Matthew comes up to me and says, Dad, I was at the gas station. This guy walks up to me. He told me, he said, you know, I just got off the bus this morning from Angola and I gave him some money and I started laughing. I said, I guess that guy gets off that Angola bus every morning, you know. I I don't know about all that. Here's what I know. I know I need to serve and when I serve them, I serve Jesus. And if they're being dishonest, then that's between them and Jesus. But generosity is between you and Jesus. So open yourself. I mean, look at the Good Samaritan one more time. We looked at that for two weeks, last week and the week before. But a Samaritan who was on a journey came upon him, and when he saw him, here it is, he felt compassion. He suffered with him. Those priests that did nothing, they saw and they didn't, they didn't feel anything, so they walked on. But you've got to stay open. You've got to let your heart break for these people. You, have to have, you say, how do I do that? Well, I think it helps to remember those times in your life when you could use some help. Do you remember what it was like to be hurting and need some help? Amy and I were, I was a youth director at a church, and I was making $18,000 a year. I had a college degree. I was mostly done with seminary. We had one son, and Amy was expecting our second son. So the personnel committee said, hey, we need to get this guy a raise. And so they went to the church. They said, we, we think Bill needs a raise. We're going to want to give him $1,000 more a year. So I was going to go from $18,000 to $19,000. I wasn't going to get rich, but everything helps. 
They bring it up in a church business meeting. I'm not making this up. They said, you know, Amy's expecting another child and, you know, uh, their expenses are going to rise. And we just feel like it'd be good if we gave them another thousand dollars a year. And a guy stands up in the back of the church and he says this. I'm quoting. He said, if we pay them every time she gets pregnant, she's going to stay pregnant. That's what he said. That was said. I've never seen my wife mad like that. I mean, she was hot. And I was hot. And I remember God saying to me, don't be bitter at that guy. Just don't be that guy. And I spent my whole life trying not to be that guy. Because it's easy to become jaded and turn off the compassion. And when you do that, you stop serving. You say, remember when you were desperate? Remember what it was like when you were hurting? Remember when you were broken and your heart was broken? Maybe it was never financial. Maybe it was emotional. There's this beautiful verse. Here it is. Look to the rock from whence you were hewn and the pit from which you were dug. Remember what it was like. And stop judging the other person's shoes and put yourself in them. Open yourself up. Remember, when you open your eyes and serve them, then you open their hearts for Jesus. So what's it going to take to get you to serve? Know yourself. Do you know who you are? Humble yourself. Nobody's above serving. I don't care what your portfolio is. I don't care what your academic credentials are. Nobody's above serving. And open yourself. Stop becoming jaded and be compassionate. Why don't we just ask God to do that for us right now in this place? Would you do that with me? Let's just make this the commitment before the Father. Here it is, three simple words. Father, help me to know myself. Help me not to be deceived by the selfishness of my time. Help me not to be deceived into thinking everyone has to be just like me but to know who I am, to know my frailties and my failures, to know my inadequacies and my limitations, but to also know my strengths and my giftedness. And so, Father, I lay all that at Your feet. And Father, to humble myself, to be like Jesus was, to not seek to be more than Jesus. And Father, to open myself. There are needs all around us that we are confronted with that we have learned to ignore. And when we learn to ignore those needs, we stop feeling compassion and we become hard. Father, help us not to be hard. We thank You for the cross. We thank You for the gift of grace and mercy that comes through Jesus. Father, I pray for the ones who hear this right now that don't know Christ. They don't know what it is to be forgiven. They don't know what it is to be healed. Maybe that's why they don't have any compassion because they haven't experienced that. That today would be the day where they would just simply give their life to You and be transformed forever. We thank You for the power of transformation that comes in Jesus our Lord. It's in His name we pray. Amen. 
Our hope is that this message has encouraged you to seek Christ in your own life and make Him known wherever you are. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and share it with a friend. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week.